Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that sometimes a hockey game can go sideways in 16 seconds for the bad guys, but we can counter that in game three with 14 seconds between goals for the good guys. I'm Weldy sitting here with Andrew. We got a lot to talk about on this episode here. Huskies, so, well, no, not sweep, but... Did uh, end up taking out the uh, Minnesota Bulldogs, ends their season, advances to St. Paul for the frozen face-off. I'm going. I always go, no matter what, but it's always a little bit better when uh, St. Cloud uh, State ends up making it. Uh, heck of a weekend, um, both good and bad uh, for, for your Huskies, but um, overall, they got the job done, and I yep. have to say that that's... Uh, uh, that that was kind of the uh, the main uh, task at hand. A- Andrew, what were your thoughts on the weekend? Yeah, obviously the uh, the important thing there is that they got the job done, and as you said, ended the season of Duluth. That's been a tough thing for any team to do in the last decade. Uh, haven't made haven't missed the frozen faceoff since I believe the first year of the NCHC. Um, not counting the COVID year and then the grant. Well, I mean, everyone made the grand forks year, but just to say that it's been a difficult task to, uh, to defeat them in the first round, took them three games to do it. But, um, and, you know, and at times it, it wasn't pretty from the Huskies perspective. Uh, but you know, especially, especially that Saturday game, but, um, but guys stepped up that needed to and getting Peart and Trayball back, was a nice sign. Now you gain two. We'll get to like, I, I don't think Peart was very impressive, but you get two back, but you lose one with Lutke missing game three. And we don't know exactly what his status is. So, you know, I guess we're netting one positive. We, we get one. We're not down to five D we're at six, I guess. And again, I think, yeah, I think Trable's not close to hundred percent. Yeah, and, and, Peer, it's, and Peer, it's just kind of a turnover machine to begin with. So it's really funny because right when you said how it's one, like the net kind of uh, you gain two but lose one, I immediately thought of both um, Trable's turnover that turned to a goal and Peart's turnover <laughs> that turned directly into a goal. Um, so yeah, when you're talking about how you don't think Trey Ball's a hundred percent, I agree. And then Peart is always kind of boomer bust when it comes to the, uh, you know, the playmaking side of it, it's yeah. it you, you, you don't really know what you're going to get with, uh, with, uh, with him when he's on the ice. So, and yeah, disappointing that if, if Lukey is going to be done here, uh, that's not a good sign. Um, Seeing as as if I, it it did seem to me that Trayball was more injured, if that makes sense, like he looked more skittish uh, on the ice. Whereas Peart's uh, head scratchers were just kind of what Peart does, um, and not really didn't really Peart, look injured Peart appear. related. Peart can appear, um, and again, if the bar is Trayball, like let's say he was. 
50% healthy, if that. You got to think if, if Lutke is at that bar, he'll be able, he'll, he'll be playing. Um, we don't got too many, too many weekends left here. Um, so you, you'd like to think if these guys, if there's no uh, exposed bone sticking out, uh, that they're going to at least make a valiant effort to make. They're uh, still going to tape to, it to, to right? put on the ice. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but getting back to the weekend, yeah, it was, I mean, it's nice to see some, some guys scoring that, Normally don't. I mean, Miller obviously had a great weekend. Um, first multi-goal game in his career, including a got to be like a 197 foot <laughs> empty netter. It was like a turnaround fadeaway as well. Yeah. I mean, the way that he uh, just rocked back and just uh, shot it. He, I mean, he flat out said that it was luck, but still, uh, we'll take it. The awareness, yeah, we'll definitely take it. And then on Sunday, I think the game kind of turned with uh, Cooper Wiley and Ingram scoring those two goals within the 14-second time period, and Wiley with a you know wraparound play. Uh-huh. I texted a friend. It's uh, I didn't have that one on my bingo board, and then Larson essentially said the same thing. In he didn't use the bingo card analogy, but he's like, "Yeah, if you would have told me he was going to score on a wraparound." I would have been shocked, and I yeah. So I, we we were eye to eye on that, uh, and Wiley played well on especially on Sunday. Not only did he have that that key goal, but um, there was a two on one opportunity that he broke up later in the in the game, uh, and so I thought he was he, he probably played his best game uh, of the season on on Sunday. So uh, getting some scoring, you know, Cranel on the flip side, Cranel is still struggling. Um, but uh, but getting some depth scoring, um, that's always huge come playoff time. And that maybe was the difference of the weekend for the yeah, Huskies. Yeah, I, I do agree. Cranola seems snake-bitten. Um, whereas, like, it just feels like his shots aren't connecting nearly as much as they were, obviously, earlier in the year. Like, Mietnin right now, his shots are connecting. They're just a little bit off. I mean, he had that one post shot, that um, golden opportunity. He had a couple other good chances. Um, But I do still think Cronulla is being effective, just kind of being a pest. Um, Now, obviously, somebody who is your top point getter, you want him to do a little bit more. But I think he's still being effective, but not nearly, obviously, as effective as we would want to be or that we need him to be, you know, coming in, especially when uh, we're, we're going to end up playing North Dakota. So. Yeah. And uh, Lutke, I forgot, you know, he gets the weekend off to a good start. Uh, another sort of a nice aggressive play coming into the zone or from the, from the sideboards and kind of roofing a backhander. Um, yeah. So Cranel and no goals. We had, you know, Crookshank scores the third goal on, on, Sunday, but that's really the, you know, Miller too, but of the top six, Miller is the guy that doesn't score as often as even Kupka or obviously Crookshank, Yetnin, Cranola, uh, Okabe. So getting those contributions, I think are, are huge. And um, the other thing too is, which is interesting is how, how Larson played the goaltending this weekend. Uh-huh. Um, surprised that he did not pull Bassey on Saturday after he got to four to one, takes the time out. And I thought he was going to pull Bassey, um, but he leaves him in 
I and, I kind of wondered about that. I even wondered that after maybe it was the third goal. I don't know. One like well, the third and the fourth were the sixteen seconds apart. Okay, goals. gotcha. It was and the third goal was the one that Pierre should have gotten an assist. Yeah. Um, so I that's the one I really don't fault him. The other three I don't think were great goals for Bass. Correct. And, and, and that and that's where I wonder if it was just a two game series in the regular season. If he would have pulled him early, like um, he did pull him early a couple series ago, right? Or he pulled Caster really early. I can't remember. Which no, one it he, was. he pulled Bassey in Bassie Omaha in Omaha in five minutes into the game, yeah, or ten minutes in, something like that. Um, so I wonder. I wonder if it was a situation where we technically have a game to play with at this point. Let him just ride out, kind of wave the wave the towel here on this game and then just kind of ride it out for, and then start caster. Maybe that was his line of thinking. Didn't seem, it was confused there because, um, I, I, after the game on the, after the second game, Larson comes out and says, I thought we played great. 57 minutes of great hockey. It's just those three minutes that really screwed us, which, Again, another one of those, are we watching the same game moments for me? Um, I, I'm starting to maybe think that he's kind of just BSing in these things, too. Maybe it's just like you don't want to show too many of your cards. Um, but- I I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it was 57 minutes of great hockey, but at the same time, I thought there were a lot of... I, I hate to say this type of crap, but... I do think there was a little bit of puck luck and a little bit of... Well, sure, uh, it's Duluth, so <laughs> there's a lot of puck luck involved. Uh, and, and and I do think that, aside from that, we played pretty good. I wouldn't say mm. that we played great, but like I still think we had chances. And yeah, the, I thought I mean, the third period, it was yeah, us yeah, that we pretty well. But, I mean, it's a 4-1 to one game that Duluth, Duluth is up. They're not going to force the issue offensively. It's natural for St. Claude to outshoot them as much as they did in the third period on thir- on Friday or on Saturday, I should say. And credit to Jim Rich, who they went back to that on Sunday and they gave some more data because they said like their analytics team, which I don't know if that's like Enga and Cooster and I, I don't know what that department entails uh, personnel wise, but. They were saying, yeah, we, we had 12 shots from down, you know, from the points and then deeper than the, or deeper than the dots, something like that. Like they had some numbers to back up their claim about how well they played on Saturday, which I appreciate that. Cause like, just from a, a gut perspective, I didn't really see much, uh, really much of a push or a sense of urgency. That's the thing. Like if you thought that you wanted to win that game, you make the goalie change to maybe give you some spark of momentum. But from your perspective, maybe it's the, we're going to concede this game and we don't want to, we want to keep caster as fresh as possible. Don't have him waste some of his energy with this half a game. When we're sort of waving the white flag, bring it back on Sunday. And he also made a good point too. It's like, do you really want to have a guy for three straight games in a weekend? He hasn't done that this year, probably ever in his college career. Well, surely not, because CC hasn't played a deep playoff series when he was there. So um, you have the luxury of having two goalies that have been very good this year. So 
I was just I was interested because I thought I thought if he wasn't pulling him on game two that I figured he's going to go back to Bassey, but I was pleasantly surprised because I was the one here last weekend saying that he should have started Caster on Friday you know, in the Toulouse series. I would assume now he's going to go back with Caster in the frozen faceoff, but who knows? I've been so wrong on this all year about how they've been handling the goaltenders. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but I, I thought that was, that was an interesting wrinkle um, of the weekend where it's like Duluth is just rocking with stay skull, uh, you know, five straight games here. He got all the action in mm-hmm. these back-to-back weekends for Duluth. And he, he was, he was good. He was better than his numbers would have suggested. Uh, uh, he was uh, this year. So, yeah, it was a uh, yeah. It's Duluth, uh, a pesky team, as you said, and they're they're always a tough out. Um, but I just think after in that that third, or the, excuse me, that second period on Sunday, where the Huskies put up over twenty shots, um, you know, got got down uh, fairly early, first minute of the second period, and but like that Wiley play really sort of sparked them, and then Ingram shortly thereafter three goals in that period. One of the best periods they've played all year, I'd, I'd say. And that's really kind of what, what drove them to that win. So yeah, it, like I said, I, it wasn't their best weekend of hockey, uh, certainly, um, but mm-hmm. this year, but uh, you got the job done and it, it sets up a pretty intriguing weekend uh, in, in St. Paul. So but I, I want to kind of—I don't want to get too too much away from this Duluth weekend too, because I know that you have some more thoughts. Um, I, I thought too that Sunday the Sunday game was just, uh, and I didn't mind it actually because we're the ones always kind of complaining about over officiating, pretty conspicuously under officiated on Sunday. Plenty of calls could have been called that that went uncalled. Um, did you think that had any effect as far as, you know, pace of the game? I mean, or just the one one brief power play for each team because they, they called two penalties and they overlapped each other. So there was no real special teams action all game until Duluth pulled their goaltender. And I wonder if that uh, if, if that had any effect as, as far as how the game unfolded. Yeah, it was... A lot has been said about the officiating, and especially this weekend, too, when you kind of compare and contrast, you know, the game threes, I guess, or even the whole series in general, when you're looking at, like, the um, Omaha-North Dakota series versus the uh, St. Cloud-Minnesota-Duluth series, because, you know, for... For our series, I felt like it was a hard-fought, gritty, high-intensity playoff-type game, and there were not a lot of penalties that, yeah, definitely should have been called. Um, whereas Omaha, North Dakota, I felt, or just just uh, you know, kind of gauging temperature from some of the feedback that I saw on twi- Twitter was. I mean, it was just the referee gong. It, it was a, it was a lot of calls, and so it was like so. It's like it, it, you know, maybe the balance is right in the middle. I didn't mind it too much. I didn't think anything was overly egregious, um, except that I do feel Minnesota Duluth maybe was a little bit happy after the whistle or some other kind of chops that they've taken. Um, I, I know there was one time where a Duluth player laid out Cronulla even after the buzzer clearly was off while he was away from the play. 
Um, that was at the end of the second period. But it was... I mean, yeah, you, you could have, but at the same time, at, it's as as Gino said about 40 times over the weekend, Robin's racing. That was uh, kind of his go-to phrase. Just loves days of thunder, I guess. So... You've got a you got a favorite Tom Cruise film? Hmm. I mean, he was in a movie called Magnolia that I didn't really like. I wouldn't call it like he wasn't like the star of the film. It was like an ensemble piece. Um, but that was pretty good. Uh, Risky Business, I do like. Okay. All right. um, yeah, I mean, it's been so long since I've seen Top Gun. I, I didn't see the new one that came out, but. I've heard good things people, about. Yeah, people love it. So. But yeah, no, he's he's fine. Jared yeah. McGuire is good. Um, I'm a, there's some. Good I, ones I really like. I really like the OG Mission Impossible. So that's always my go-to. And Edge of Tomorrow was really good too. If you get a chance to watch that, so we'll put um, that on my list. Put put it put it on the list. So, um, but I mean, with that, you know, power plays weren't really a factor. Um, which with both. Uh, St. Cloud and Minnesota Duluth's power play, uh, you know, where it could really turn the game. Now, there was one power play goal scored on Friday's game for Dominic James, which I don't really fault our penalty kill, actually. I mean, I thought that was just a heck of a setup and a heck of a shot by him. Um, so I was just kind of like, that's going to be a tough one, tough one to stop there, but um, there was kind of a key um, uh, penalty kill that we needed um, after, um, I think it was on Saturdays, or no, I think it was on Sundays, you know, Cronulla goes to the box, and then, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, kind of a key point where it's like, okay, let's, you know, th- this is where we really need to kind of hunker down and how hopefully this kill takes that next step or able to kill it off. We get the benefit of, um, you know, evening up and everything. And then after that, even the, all the whole game, even after they scored on Saturday I, uh, or on Sunday first, I wasn't really too concerned. I just felt really? like, yeah, I just felt like we were, and we were going to end up busting through. Cause I didn't think the horseshoe could last that long for Minnesota Duluth. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it ended up, uh, you know, being, you know, uh, the the freshman really really stepped up big um, with uh, Wiley and Ingram. So that's, uh, you know, that's where that depth comes in. Ingram has been, you know, you're seeing he's getting a little bit more comfortable. I expect a really big year from him next year. Um, so this is, uh, but you know, just the steps they t- that he's taken throughout the season. It's it's been it's been kind of fun to watch. So face-offs, um, our favorite stat dominant by the Huskies this weekend. Salquist in particular Salquist, was, yeah. was dominant. See how he does against North Dakota. Cause I remember when they went up to North Dakota, he had some rough, rough, uh, games up there face-off wise. Um, maybe North Dakota's just got the, uh, they just have figured them out on the dots. <laughs> Who knows? And Salquist two assists on Sunday. So it's not his worst weekend as a Husky. So props to him. Uh, a much maligned player on this podcast, but um, certainly capable of, of having a positive impact. And he showed that this weekend. Um, as we said, Peart, 
I thought he did fine on Friday. Uh, Trayable, as I said, was more noticeably iffy um, on Friday night. Saturday night, he had that bad turnover to set up the goal, the third goal for Duluth, and then missed uh, keeping a, a zone, uh, a drop pass to the point on the power play, right when the power play was ending, that set up that that uh, breakaway for the UND or UMD defenseman. It's clearly like the first uh, breakaway he's had in a while because uh, <laughs> he, he's like just pushing the puck forward. Yeah. And sort of, it was a little awkward to see, but uh, Bassey bailed him out on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, so Peard again, showing some of the, uh, some of the, the downsides of his play. Uh, but again, coming off of an injury, um, I, I, I don't know if I should expect more than what we saw this weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's a, I think an emotional uh, series win over a rival. It's pushing you into a, another rivalry game here. Again, I'm I was some of that. I, I'm not expecting a deep run from this team, the NCAA's, but the more momentum you can create here, um, and if you are going to be getting some some bottom six guys uh, contribute and carry you uh, in, in some cases, um, anything, Hey, it, it can happen. Um, I'm slowly well, that's getting what, back to the point or getting to the point where maybe they can, maybe they can win a game in the NCAAs. And, that, and that's the, what, the, what the key was in our 2013 run was that depth. I mean, that was Benick Thorson and that was Benick's freshman. Like, there were talks about shutting him down, um, and then oh, they decided for the second half to. That's right, yeah, because he or, debuted. He debuted he, after Christmas, yeah, because he had I, he had that was he a broken leg or something. He had a broken leg the first day of practice, right? So, right. Um, so there were talks about that, but you know, he obviously was a huge part of that run and that whole regional. Um, where we were able to get our first frozen four birth. And then, yeah, that was, you know, because of that third line, fourth line, um, you know, depth. And that's what you need when, when these. Well, look at, yeah. in 2021 too, Will Uh Hammer was the MVP of that regional. If there Mm -hmm. was an MVP. And then he had guys like Molinar scored a goal in in that Mankato game. Um, And so, yeah, you can, those guys, those are old guys um, can really, can really make a difference at the, uh, at the end of the year. So yeah, it's, um, I'm my, my excitement is building. Uh, I just like this time of year of college hockey, just in general playoff time and, uh, and then the, the regionals and, and all that. So it's, uh, I'm very excited for this, for this, uh, this weekend at the X. I don't know if we want to transition to that yet, but, um, it should be, uh, it should be a good, at least that Friday game, I think, with, with Dakota. It should be a good one because Dakota has been playing better in the second half. Um, yeah. And uh, DeRitter seems to have found himself really after. His rock bottom was that St. Cloud series in St. Cloud. But uh, Schlossman had some stats in his write-up where his stats are right around where Caster's year, year-long stats are, so like 915 save percentage. Um, he's He's been a, he's been – uh, playing with those, he's been putting up those numbers since that December fifth date, which is that Saturday uh, game against St. Cloud. So he's been playing better. Um, and you know when we saw him in 
North Dakota a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we, they've got the weapons uh, of, of Gaber and Blake, not too much beyond that. Um, again, if we're talking about depth of St. Cloud, um, North Dakota is going to, if, if they're going to be successful, it's going to be depth guys too. And we saw that that third game in, in Omaha guys like Hain scoring big goals for them. Um, and yeah, you're, You've got, you know, you've got the power play for North Dakota, vaunted power play. It's cooled off a bit since its peak. That's un, It's not quite at the 30% clip it was at for much of the year, but still obviously very dangerous, since particularly when considering the St. Cloud penalty kill, which, again, had a better weekend, but wasn't tested as much um, mm-hmm. this weekend uh, because of the lack of calls. But uh, And St. Cloud's... St. Cloud's power play units didn't get much action and weren't very successful themselves either this weekend. So see how special teams plays a, a factor here. You obviously got the intangibles here. There's going to be more green in the building than Cardinal and black. Um, but uh, that could potentially be a motivator. Maybe St. they'll Cloud. all be too liquored up from St. Patty's. Well, they, they definitely will. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if that makes a, makes a difference or not, but uh but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this one, and and North Dakota has much more on the line here, uh, much yeah. more at stake. I mean, they need to win this frozen faceoff in order to make it to the tournament. Where St. Cloud is going to make the tournament no matter what, and so they have more to play for. But you are you were able to vanquish one rival with Duluth this weekend. Uh, you can end another team's. You could end two team seasons. I mean, if CC continues their miracle run, you could squash their dreams too in the title game if you get past North Dakota. But focusing on North Dakota, you you have it in your in your hands in to your, yeah. end their yes. season and and make some uh, ticket holders for that Fargo Regional uh, saddened uh, at the same sense and maybe St. Cloud would, would be going over to Fargo themselves that following weekend. Who knows? Looking like a pretty decent possibility at this point. So that's what I'm, I, I would look, look forward to the most, at least just for Fridays is being able to, to end a, another team season. What else are you looking for this weekend? Not only with, uh, well, let's start with St. Cloud. We can maybe think about the other, the other, the Colorado half of the bracket. Um, we can talk about that a little bit too. But uh, the St. Cloud North Dakota uh, game on Friday night. What are your What are your keys? Or what are you going to be looking at in the stands? Probably a little liquored up yourself. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to be looking maybe, for that, maybe, that maybe, night? Maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> there is a very important thing here um, that that. Before we go too far into this this weekend, um, we got to go back to back to Duluth. Oh yeah, because yep. because we forgot play, play play the play the sounder. So we 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 totally forgot about the uh, uh, go. I, I, sorry, I, you're uh, the host. I don't know why. I'm, the weekend, you I I, I was going with it until I was like, wait a minute, pump Just the raise brakes. your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. <laughs> Do the international like mm-hmm. runway stop sign. Sure. Sure thing. So let's uh, let's get to it. Um, who your Go Huskies? Woo player of the weekend? Who who, who you got? Who's your pal? A, I had to think about it. If, if because the three games kind of throws you off, and you had the one sort of clunker in between. Um, mm-hmm. If it was just Sunday, I would have gone Wiley. But for the three games, I'll go Miller. Um, not sure if I've given him one this year. I think I have. I feel like I have, but uh, but this is a good a good way to to finish out his 
you know, playing in front of the St. Cloud fans his last weekend of doing that. Um, and, you know, I said first multi-goal game for him. Then he adds another one on, on Saturday. So three goals on the weekend for him. Guy just coming in with two goals on the season. So, um, but as, as always too, you know, uh, energy guy, uh, power, uh, penalty killer extraordinaire. Um, and I've just, uh, I'm going to miss watching him play because yeah. he, he didn't really put up the, the numbers. Um, well, we didn't put him on the power play. That's why. <laughs> well, there was, yeah, one, I was going to, I was going to say was, like, there, there was one time there on, on, on Fridays, I tweeted out the picture too, where, it was a rebound that uh, came right to Adam Ingram, but since Adam Ingram's a lefty and there was a wide open net, it was on the wrong side of him and he couldn't convert. You put a righty on there and Miller, boom, that's a goal. And that's where I was like, I obviously Ingram has had a heck of a lot of plays this season, even from that spot. But it's just, I, I like a righty in that situation um, on those boards. And I think Miller would have buried that. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, no, I I know that we when we when we talk about Soliquist, like he's just not producing, and you know you can look at Miller's stats line uh, over his career, and they're not gonna dazzle you. But I do feel like he does put in the uh, the intangible work and and the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score, which you may scoff at when we're talking about Soliquist. But the difference there is, you know, Soliquist gets a lot of power play time. Miller doesn't. Yeah. If Miller did, I bet you those numbers would improve. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I'm going to, so I'm going to go Miller. Um, it, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a home run, like easy decision. Um, what, what are you thinking? Well, uh, go as he's woo. Uh, also just, you know, said it was, you know, tough call. Um, liked a lot of grit shown Saturday or uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Kupka had a point all three nights. Uh, Wiley stepped up again for the most part. Um, Bushy had two or three big hits on Steve's, which is always a plus. Um, and um, and uh, Caster looked good on, really good on Sunday. Yami uh, seemed to throw Minnesota Duluth players off their game with some of his antics. Um, he also really liked Miller. Um, strong effort all weekend. Just... Uh, you know, tough dude. I think he kind of echoes your sentiment too of uh, going to kind of miss watching him play. You know, I've always called Miller an effective Johnny Swanson, and that's uh, uh, kind of what I stick by. So, but uh, Go Huskies Woo did end up actually going with uh, with Caster, and I think what his, you know, I don't want to speak too much for him, but uh, you know, he just he was the goaltender who looked solid in the game winning in the series clinching. So that's kind of what he went with. Um, I do think, like I said, I wasn't really worried that game. I do want to amend that a little bit. I wasn't worried after he made those saves in the first minute 10 because <laughs> Minnesota Duluth coming, you know, coming across having two golden opportunities and caster stuffs them both. After that, I'm like, okay, if we can kind of right the ship here, we're going to end up winning this game on top. So, obviously, happy we did this. And usually I'm not that calm in the third period of a game, but I was like, I just don't see Minnesota Duluth taking this game over. Um, I thought we were playing well as a team and defensively and um, that we were going to kind of close it out. Um, You know, quickly back to Friday, too. uh, With... The 
with the Huskies having the lead and Minnesota Duluth was really pressuring the last five minutes or so. Um, but, you know, kind of around the three minute mark, you know, maybe that's a little bit too early, but I'm feeling like if you've got the momentum and you've got the chances buzzing, pull the goalie at that time. You know, you don't have to wait until it's a little bit later. Just go when it feels like you're have something cooking to, and don't really worry about the time on the clock as much. But um, Sandlin decides to wait, to hold on, on pulling Stace goal and held it for probably a little bit too long. Cause when they did pull him, that was right when the tur- turnover happened and Miller was able to shoot it down the ice. So I thought that was kind of a little bit of a misstep on him. So I'll just criticize the three-time national champion as a coach uh, and uh, just say, I know more than he does. So um, and who, who was your pal? I missed that. No, oh, no, I didn't get to it yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> it was, I was just started talking about, uh, just kind of random things that I forgot to mention when we were talking about it. Cause you just went right into this weekend. I know. Like, just, mm. uh, so, um, no, but my, uh, my pal was also Miller. Um, just because, uh, you know, with his, his goal, which, um, you know, his, his play all weekend, I thought was incredibly strong, but you know, him showing up on the score sheets, the 197 footer, um, and also me learning a new rule about um, being in the act of shooting um, and it going through it, even though the pegs and the nets off <laughs> and that's a goal scored. I didn't know that that uh, was kind of the, uh, the ruling on it. So that was kind of interesting that, um, that, that, yeah, uh, that was interesting. Stood, so so. I, I noticed they, they must've changed the pegs cause they're not the yellow pegs anymore. These were like a black type color. I, I noticed that, um, obviously, with Stayskull having so much trouble last weekend, maybe they decided to change something, and they may have switched out the pegs. And it wasn't as much of an issue this weekend, except for that play, which when they went to review, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. If they wave this goal off after after the net is knocked off again with Stayskull. And I don't know. So... It should have been a goal. Like I, I realized the the net was was off, but that that that. So what? Tell me what the rule is uh, exactly, because you're telling me that there was like some chatter that where people were saying that that should have been waved off. No, not necessarily. It was just that I didn't know. Like if the net's off, it's moorings, and the puck wasn't in the net, and then crossed the line. I, I didn't know what the ruling was on it. So that that's where I was a little bit. That's where I, I, I just learned something new about the actual verbiage of the rule. So here's how it's, how it's stated in the rule book, which obviously leads to some uh, subjectivity on the rest part, which is obviously. Well, and they came out and they said, they didn't just say the goal stands. They said confirmed. the call is confirmed. Yeah. So they must, they must've been pretty sure about it. And they got the call right. Um, in looking at it. So, um, net dislodgement under awarded goals in order to award a goal in this situation, the goalposts must have been displaced by the actions of a defending player the puck must have been shot or a player must be in position to shoot 
at the goal prior to the goal post being displaced, and it must be determined that the puck would have entered the net between the normal position of the goal post. That makes sense. Yep. So I... I, I just didn't know if like the net was off. It's like, well, no, nope, nope, doesn't matter. The net was off. That's... Yeah, I mean that. Well, that would be easily exploited. Then any shot that comes to you, you can just knock the net off, and yeah, it's no goal because the net was off. <laughs> you, know, you don't. You're going to call uh... a penalty on it? Then okay, we'll take the penalty instead of giving up the goal. So sure. You, you don't think uh, you don't think hockey players would have a little more gamesmanship, a little more sportsmanship on that aspect, and. To quote Gino, uh, the goalie's just being savvy. It's a savvy move. <laughs> it's just a just a savvy move using the shoulder and his body weight. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yes, uh, Miller is my uh, Go Huskies Woo player of the weekend. So, all right, flipping that. Now we can flip over. Now we can transition smoothly over to yeah. Just edit. <laughs> Do a little magic of editing. Just, just uh, swap the. Plop Switch the it. segment here, yep. but exactly. UND Define. versus SCSU. What do you got? I hate these guys. I hate them so much. And I want to end their season. I do not care what happens in the championship game. I, like, I want to end North Dakota season. That <laughs> would, I would, I would consider that a successful season. <laughs> especially from where it was at the beginning of the year to, to, to now being in a chance where we can end their season, I think is just, I, I think it would be awesome. So I hate North Dakota. I, I, I don't really like the matchup right now with how well they're playing, how locked down defensively they're playing. And um, with, how banged up our defense is. I mean, this is, you know, when I, when I talked about North Dakota previously, they can come at waves. They can really come into, um, you know, cycling and, um, you know, go to towards periods where they have, you know, minute and a half two 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 and a half minutes in the zone of sustained pressure. And that can just build. And, and that's what I really want to avoid. And us being so limited right now on defense that's what really worries me in, you know, in especially in a one and done kind of scenarios. So uh, that's, I'm, that's where I'm sitting at a little bit worried. So what do you think? Yeah. North Dakota, since being swept in Denver. Uh, so actually, yeah, it got swept to Denver in the second week of February. The next weekend they played the Huskies in North Dakota since that Husky series, six, one and two for North Dakota. So now my friend uh Dunkel on Twitter, he did point out that anybody would be hot if they have to play Omaha five times in March. And I think that's a pretty <laughs> good point. <laughs> so I, everyone will be hot then. Yeah, I was I, I'm not gonna say that I was doing lawnmower polls in my living room, but I do admit I was rooting for North Dakota to win that game on Sunday. Um, really? Mostly because I want the Omaha streak to continue. I don't think I've ever rooted for North Dakota in my life. Well, I have. Um because oh, I want the Omaha streak of incompetence, which I didn't realize so this was I mean, they won on Friday. That was Gabinet's first ever win in the playoffs, not series win, a win of a game in the series. 
And in the NCHD, I suppose you could say they improved because they won a game. They improved to three and 17 (laughs) in the playoffs. Uh, And all three of those wins, incidentally, are game one wins. Uh, And they won the very first year they hosted Denver at home um, and won, won game one which was a Thursday-Saturday series. If you remember, there was a Demi Lovato concert on Sunday. They had to move the series up a day in order to accommodate that. For some reason, I remember that. And then they won in 2017. They won the first game at Western, but then lost the last two. This one, again, winning game one, losing the last two. And the, uh, the streak of not making a neutral site phase of a conference tournament is extended to what is that 2005 so this is 7 18 years since then so pretty impressive stuff but getting back to North Dakota yeah like you said or like we both said they have been playing well here down the stretch um albeit against uh, a lot of that being against Omaha <laughs> but uh yeah and like i said they they have that good top line with with Gaber and Blake, the others have been trailing behind. You know, you got Jandrick um, from the point, who's having a very good year for him, 33 points. But then no one with 20 um, after those yeah. top three. So it's really been a top-heavy offense and, and not much uh, beyond that. But, you know, when, this, when St. Cloud has played in the past, it's been a lot of, a lot of the times it has been sort of Bottom six guys that have killed him, Ness. He always seems to score his only goals against the Huskies. Saw that McLaughlin scored a goal this uh, when they played in in Grand Forks this this last uh, month or six weeks ago. Um, and like I said, DeRitter, uh, he's won this job. Uh, was sort of splitting time earlier in the season with Helston, but uh, uh, like I said, since Christmas has been playing much better. But even with that good stretch, that save percentage is just at 901. Um, so that that tells you how much of a hole they, they put themselves in. Um, yeah. And and really, you know, you can – yeah, we're going back to December 5th to, to see his turnaround. But it's really been since that – after that Denver sweep is when the good play has, has really emerged for him. So – they're going to be. They've been playing. They're playing better than the Huskies have been playing, just based on the Huskies' uh, last, you know, post Anhorn injury uh, run here. So we'll see if that, if that momentum, and we'll see if that carries uh, in this game. But similar to how we've talked about this matchup, you know, both in St. Cloud and then at Grand Forks, I do think St. Cloud has more talent here on paper, a deeper offensive team. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Anhorn, his, his lack, uh, his being out of the lineup definitely hurts, but I think the defense, you can give maybe UND the, the slight edge with kind of the top end guys with Clevin, um, and, uh, and Chandrick perhaps, but, you know, we, we definitely saw some leakiness from that back end, um, you know, in St. Cloud, it, uh, in particular, but just in the first half of the year, that was really the 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 tail of the tape for UND. Bad defense, bad goaltending. They they definitely have shored it up, but it's still vulnerable, I think. So 
again, I, I like to think that St. Cloud should win this game, but you know, tournament time and you got, you got the, the green bastard, uh, faction quotient in play here. St. Patrick's day, green beer, green and bastards. That- <laughs> it's anything can happen. And so now, and, and like I said, it's more, it, this means more North Dakota. So, uh, we'll see if St. Cloud is, is up to the challenge here to, to, if it motivates them enough to end their season, which it should. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how, how that plays out. Now, I will have to say that as dominating as the uh, University of North Dakota has been on the, you know, in the XL Energy Center during the WCHA days, uh, that uh, post different con- story. It's been a different story in the post conference or in the uh, in in the conference tournaments here in the NCHC. Um, so it's um, the 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 ghosts of the XL is uh, or what what did they call it? Ingolstead South they used to call it because of um, how well they used to play in the WCHA. That uh, that has not come to fruition yet. So. Yeah, their um, only frozen faceoff win was in Grand Forks uh-huh. uh, when they hosted it in 2021. So, uh, and not, I'm trying to think offhand. I mean, you've been to all these, but only like one or two title games. And they've been in it, I think, every year except once. Yeah, that's right. We, we fact-checked that. They lost to Denver in 2019 in the playoffs, so. They've only missed the XL once uh, in the NCHC, but I know St. Cloud beat them in 2015. Miami beat them the first year in the, in the first round in the, in the first in the semifinal. Um, I think there was was there a UND Duluth title game? I think 2017 or 2018, maybe 2017. It must have been. Um, that might be the only championship game that they've played in. In the uh, in the XL phase of the, or at least going back to the Target Center too, but the uh, the NCHC Frozen Faceoff is yeah. So you're saying, I mean, definitely not the uh, the the hot hand that that it was in the WCHA days. So again, maybe we can add to that um, that run of disappointment um, this weekend. Uh, let's hope. Oh, exactly. So yeah, so they lost to yeah they lost to Western last year. So, but not in the semis, not in the final, not not correct in the in the, in the semis. So yeah, I think it might just be the one title game for them appearance in 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 the NCHC Frozen Faceoff. Um, but I'm just going off the top of my head there, so that might that very well might be wrong because they didn't win it the year they won the national title. That was St. Clouds. St. Clouds won frozen face off title and North Dakota wouldn't even made the title game then. Cause that was Duluth. Duluth must've beat them because St. Cloud played Denver that year in the semis. So, so yeah, it's uh but it's always a, a, a raucous atmosphere. And as you said, the uh, St. Patrick's day, uh, it'll be exactly on that day too. Right, mm-hmm. it's not just like the unofficial uh, St. Patty's weekend. It'll literally be St. Patrick's Day, so it'll be real time St. Patty's. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Do you have any uh, any thoughts on this Denver CC? I mean, we drove by that CC springs the 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 lesser likely upset. You know, we kind of figured North Dakota is going to beat Omaha, uh, but um, I did say last weekend I, I said I'd be surprised if CC won the series, but I said, "Hey, when Barico can steal a game, well, he stole two of them, uh, and CC was able to sweep Western shockingly." Uh, setting up a, a gold pan uh, matchup in the uh, matinee for Friday. Now, what I did not realize about Denver, um, I didn't realize how we're talking about injuries, how banged up Denver is. Crowe uh, yeah, got hurt yeah. at the, or maybe during the Western series or shortly thereafter. Cause I did mention that Matt Davis got both the starts against CC the, the last weekend of the regular season. I was just thinking maybe they're just trying to rest up. Because they had already clinched, you know, home, you know, the, the Penrose and and all that, but uh, no, that was more injury related. And that that continued this weekend, and added to those injuries, Barons hasn't played since Western. Uh, a bunch of role players like Wright, um, a couple other guys, and then Rizzo uh, sat out on the Saturday game against Miami here. Um, so some pretty key guys, um, and they didn't break a sweat beating Miami <laughs> as it turned out with, you know, not, not quite their B team, but uh, certainly not their A team um, and with all those injuries. And so that's going to be the big key for, for not only Denver going forward beyond the frozen face off, but also CC's chances. Obviously CC needs to win this tournament in order to get into the NCAAs. And, you know, I know you're not high on Krona, uh, but uh <laughs> playing Matt Davis instead of Krona and then maybe missing a guy like Rizzo or Barons and or Barons uh, out of the lineup could could give CC's uh, you know a puncher's chance in that semi uh game. So what are you feeling about this about this matchup? I mean, it's still hard. I mean, Den- Denver's 11 game winning streak currently over CC. So they have completely owned CC of late. And again, that's including with these injuries. They played CC during you know last weekend, so yeah. uh, you know they played them with a banged up lineup and still was able to sweep them there. So, do you give CC a chance here? Uh, you buying into their momentum or the no I, factor? I don't give them a chance. And maybe if it was CC against somebody else, fill in the blank. I mean, if it was. But I, just the fact that it's the rivalry as well between the two teams, and I, I just think that adds maybe a little bit more fire to Denver. And I think just Denver, just top to bottom, is deeper, even with all these injuries. You put the lineups next to each other, you still give the edge to Denver. Um, I mean, you've got, obviously, Mbarco and Net, who could steal a game, but it's Denver hasn't had a problem with him yet. Um, and then, uh, what you have, uh, Laba and, uh, Hunter McCown, but after that, everything kind of drops off fairly quickly. So, um, I, I think just Denver's too deep, um, when it comes to that. And I'm the one saying that Denver's a one line team too. <laughs> so it's yeah, even with that, but I think that depth comes especially defensively and that's, and that's where. I, that that that's why I think Corona also gets some of those big kind of kudos when he's actually really average is because his defense has has been superior, um, and and that's where 
uh, I come from at least that that side of the coin. Yeah. So yeah, this. this so I don't. Is. I don't give. I don't give. I don't give CC a chance. I mean, I give them a chance. If if they're going to be Denver, it's going to mm-hmm. be in a one game situation. Like I couldn't see them being in a series, but one game, anything can happen. And if they are going to win, it's going to be like a one nothing two two one game. Um, I'll give them a five percent chance. Are you going low, uh, over or under five percent chance? You give lower. them CC lower than five percent. I would I would right. give them about a three. Okay, is uh, is kind of where I'm at. You you give me two and a half. I'm still, you know, then then I'll be on the over. But I'm not giving them more than a three percent chance. I'm trying to think of the situation here. So you got Corona, especially eleven games. I mean, I guess unless your thought process is they're due, which is, and of those eleven, as we mentioned, Corona, he had a five shutout streak against CC in that, and yeah. then. He finally gave up a goal to them, but it was a, a penalty shot goal. So he's only he hasn't given up a goal other than a penalty shot in the last six games against CC. But this Matt Davis might be the starter. I mean, he. So I'm looking at the at his uh, game by game log here. So he must have come in for Corona. Corona must have gotten hurt during that Western game because he finished out the last minute and change of the second Western game, and then it has started the last four games, but. Um, yeah, Corona at two twenty two goals against a nine fourteen save percentage. Davis, and this is not in really token work anymore. It's twelve games played, five hundred minutes. It's you know not a small sample size. Uh, One eighty goals against and a nine twenty three save percentage. Uh, <laughs> and his sophomore, you know, Corona is a senior. Um, I think he can come back for a fifth year if he wants. But uh, Ugh, Matt Davis might barf. be the. Uh, Matt Davis might be the the goalie that we see next year for them. I, I keep thinking of have you ever heard of Mac Davis? He's like a country western singer, in like the seventies and eighties. He wrote some he wrote some songs for uh, like late career songs for Elvis Presley, um, and then he turned it. He had a brief movie career. He was in football movie called North Dallas Forty. He's actually got a interesting vibe on screen, I think. But I, I, he just died maybe a year or two ago. That's but. Uh, this is Matt, M-A-T-T, not Mac. But uh seems like he's a serviceable enough goaltender for them. So like uh, like are you talking like is he like like when you say country, are you talking like uh, uh like a crochet type of country or no, like like cowboy boots and boot scooting, root tooting, we're going to the bar, we're we're throwing back a couple Budweisers and we're we're heading on the hay bale and we're Spitting out that chewed back and we're, we're gonna have fun time now. Uh, it's yeah, Croce's more folk. I wouldn't even call yeah. it country, but uh, in the ghetto, maybe my favorite Elvis song. He wrote that. Um, so he's got he's got a nice draw. I cannot uh, I cannot think of that song um, without thinking of that uh, an episode of New Girl. <laughs> Where I, I don't I don't get the reference. Zoe Deschanel <laughs> is at a funeral and dresses up as Elvis and sings in the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. It's in that fat Elvis era, which I, I'm not. I don't really love Elvis like the hotel Heartbreak Hotel like that. Like Elvis, Elvis. I kind of like the fat and drunken, slobbish, <laughs> uh, late career Elvis. That like 
that's your that's your Elvis heyday. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what I that's that's what I'm I'm attracted to more so. But you know, I actually don't know. I don't know a lot of Elvis in general. I mean, obviously, like some of their some of the rock and roll, you know, early early on, but like. That later, I know he what did a lot of gospel hits too, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and, but like I just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, even we. I mean, we're we're the millennials who have Boomer Corner here regularly. Even yeah. Elvis is a he's more like greatest generation. Like his his heyday is like the fifties. Like we're going real back. Let this beyond. Let's before his heyday was before my parents were born. So. Uh, but like the mythology, I don't know if you saw this Elvis movie that came out, which apparently is pretty decent. But um, I, I do I, the, the Elvis myth, I think, is is pretty fascinating. And I do kind of like the uh, the actors over the years that have given a given a crack at portraying him. So I, I, I might see that movie that, that came out. I was I heard a, he was pretty good. In it. I was at a bachelor party oh, um, seven years ago. And uh, went to, um, oh man, uh, up in up in Niswa. Uh, what I can't remember the resort. Um, kind of kind of in that area on on Gull Lake. Craigans. I think Craigans is Craigans is on Gull Lake. I know that's. I mean, they have several resorts, but I know of that one. I don't think it was Craigans because I think it was a little bit less nice. Because <laughs> Craigans is pretty nice, right? Yeah, it's got a golf course, and yeah, yeah it's it's pretty nice. But there was there was a whole slew of them around that Brainerd you know, Gull Lake area. Yeah, it was. At, at any rate, they had um, an Elvis impersonator there um, just before like the bar really gets hopping. So like the Elvis impersonator was there from like. Seven till eight thirty or nine or something like that, and then obviously the, all the young kids come in and drink until two and have all the shenanigans and whatnot. But I just remember like because we were we were going we were pre gaming, then we were going out to the bar and walk by and just yeah, like this whole light show on the patio on the lake, and just this Elvis impersonator who's just not a good one. <laughs> So shocker! If you're going up to Niswa and you want a really good Elvis impersonator, you're not going to find it. Um, but, but I just remember like all of these old people were sitting there just really getting into it, and they were really loving it. So it just kind of goes to show you when you're talking about like the myth and like the I don't know legend of of Elvis. It, he's still incredibly popular yeah. with the uh, with. I wonder when we're sitting up there in like the nursing home, what's going to be, if it's going to be like a, a Britney Spears impersonator, who's clearly <laughs> not at all like Britney, if that's going to be the hot ticket that we're going to go see Britney. It could be, it could be. That's going to bug me. What is, what is it called? You're, you're still hung up about the resort that you're at. Eight yeah. Years ago. yeah. Cause I bet everyone was, uh, like, like, like everyone's like, oh yeah, what what happens there stays. There. It's like the um, Vegas of 
of Gull Lake. <laughs> of of Gull Lake of Upper Minnesota. Well, if you wanna, I can tap dance here for you. If you wanna frantically Google to to find the name of this so you can sleep tonight. Uh, you had mentioned oh. too. I, I just wanted to throw it out there because you, you you again hurled the epithet that uh, Denver is a one line team, even though I told you they're not even running this this Dornback Rizzo uh Mazer line they really haven't uh, the bulk of the year they split them up so that right now they have six forwards that have 28 points or more five that are cracking 30 um so that's two full lines there of forwards that are are really producing and yeah that that one that top line is is on the power play good power play time but I think it was a pretty good move by Carl because it's really – Divine had a natural hat trick. I think he had a four-goal game actually in one of these Miami games. We saw Bros have a, a real good hot stretch, uh, Denver – or uh, January, Dece- January, December-ish, you know, spanning the Christmas break. Um, Aiden Thompson, uh, 32 points as a freshman. Um, and then he got a – he got a – Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Pretty prolific offense. Like – Correct me if I'm wrong, but Thompson really started coming on. He had a late start to the year. Yeah. I don't know if he had injury because he debuted he in St. Cloud yeah. uh, in Denver, the games that I was at. So that was like his first weekend. So, yeah, that first month of – yeah, so 32 points basically with no uh, October action for him. So in just oh. in 30 games. Okay, so. I got it. Nope, it, it wasn't. It was Pelican Lake, and it's, okay. and it's Breezy Point. There we go. There we go. Now, now everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Breezy." We, we all know stories about what goes on at Breezy Point. I bet, I bet I'll get one person tweeting me like, "Oh yeah, I I know that Elvis impersonator." Yes, please do tweet <laughs> him that. So, so yeah, should be an interesting weekend here in St. Paul. Uh, you want to throw I, anything out there as far well, as you are going to be in attendance? Uh, I, any... I'm a little bummed that Western Michigan lost. Like I I yeah. wanted to see like. Like, because then then it would have been Western Michigan, St. Cloud, and then Denver, North Dakota, and I think that would have been just off, like super fun weekend of hockey. I think that would have been off the charts. Just I kind of like you know, yeah. I mean, I agree. And and, I, and I, here, I, I, I just I just don't have a lot of hopes for the four o'clock game. I wish I did. I just. I just, well, I I like the I like the fact that you have in each semifinal game you have a team that needs to win the whole thing. Like yeah, whereas true. Western, as we'll get to in, in our sinkers and floaters, they're more on the ball. I mean, they're, they're secure, but there are some situations that they could be knocked out of the tournament. But if they would have won this playoff series against CC, they would have been pretty much lock solid. So it would have been three teams that would have been solid. And, and then Dakota being the one team that really needed to win it. I kind of like the fact that you, you've got, one desperate team in each semifinal that could make things interesting. So yeah. And I'm, I'm the guy that's giving CC 2% more of a chance yeah, in, that, in that uh, early game. So suited. Uh, we'll see. Uh, so. Yeah. It's uh, obviously this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so getting like pregame traditions that I'm seeing your dad. Yep. Uh, is, there, is there another, you know, more to the group that always goes? Yep, there is. Uh, my one of my college roommates uh, and and his dad actually. Um, okay. And then uh, our group has expanded to another one of our college friends and his girlfriend. Um, uh, Teresa is not coming. Though. Usually, yeah. Teresa does not come. 
Nope. This is uh, like my birthday gift for my dad and has been for how oh, long? Nice. So. Is it your birthday this weekend? Uh, the 26th is my birthday. Well, happy so, early birthday. Yep. Yep. Uh, the, my, my birthday present was a fair estate loss. So <laughs> if you want to know that that was on. <laughs> it might be a, on a regional. I remember. The re- I, regional final Sunday is the 26th here. So I remember. regional I, final that day. A text message from my aunt um, that uh, she sent that is like, <laughs> sorry for the crappy birthday present or something like that. Or what a crappy way to spend your birthday or something like that. And it's like, yep, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Paris <laughs> F and State. So, um, but yeah, I remember like when I was, because I mean, I started this back in you know, 2000 and I was underage. So dad would like take me to the science museum or, you know, try to find other fun things to do around St. Paul that are somewhat educational or, or whatnot. And now it's like, all right, bar gets open. Let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's, a, it, it's a good time. Also a good time to catch up there. Um, you know, obviously they're all really big gamblers too. So they get into March Madness and the brackets. And so they've got, um, they have kind of a cool different way of doing the brackets where they actually do like a snake format where they pick teams. So they pick teams all up and down the line. So they have four people in this pool. And so it's just a snake draft. So then, uh, you know, the one seeds are gone and the two seeds are gone. And then, so like all the way down, you have a rooting interest in one of the teams. And then what do you just tabulate like the, the records of those teams? Yep. And then whoever has the highest, is there like more points given to the, like the final versus the first strong games? Or are they all kind of weighted the same? I I think they're, I think they're, as they keep going more and more, you get, you get more points as it continues. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a cool concept, but you need four people, no more, no less, uh, for for it to work. So, but but there are sometimes like people would drop down. I mean, if you really feel strongly, you know, you don't have to go like strict seeds in order. So if you really feel front feel strongly that you know you like the chances of a ten seed that'll win instead of the remaining nine seed, you can go right to the ten seed and pick that one. So. There's a little gamesmanship that kind of comes mm-hmm. with it, and I always find that really interesting. So, yeah, it's, um, but then, you know, we used to obviously go, you know, there used to be a third place game that's gone. So now we're kind of, you know, looking at ways to fill the time, uh, you know, early on. And uh, I think we actually have reservations at Top Golf. Uh, so we're going to be going to Top Golf there, um, you know, before the game on. On, on, on yeah, they've they've, so. they've been scheduling a wild game matinee the last couple of years that they've done it um, uh-huh. but that's you want something non-hockey uh to fill that afternoon not necessarily i mean we we have gone to that wild game before. oh you have oh yeah i mean got so, the bruins i mean they're they're having a pretty good year they're having a year. really good year so it's Betcha, uh, as far as Montgomery will, uh, will be hanging out with the, uh, with the Denver <laughs> folks yeah. uh, before that game. Give them the rah, rah. So, um, so uh, anything more, uh, you want to talk about uh, with North Dakota or do you want to switch to kind of the rest of, um, any other hockey? Did you watch over the weekend? 
Um, I know I watched a little bit of uh, some of the Big Ten tournament that was going on on Saturday. Obviously, the high school hockey tournament was going on, so I watched some of that. Um, with, uh, you know, really, I was just watching for Thorson. Um, That's really what I was doing too. Yeah. Um, and he put on quite the show in the uh, in the first round game. Mm-hmm. Um, was they were buckled down pretty pretty good against me, uh, Minnetonka, but uh, I, Minnetonka I was rooting for was on a whole nother level though. I, I missed the first. Uh, the, that was the only first round game that I saw that I was able to catch, and I was it was a bummer because it sounded like that Edina Moorhead game was a barn burner. Yeah, and then, it was. Then that Minnetonka Hill Murray game too was a you know. Minnetonka had to come back last minute to tie that one up and then and then win it. So I, I was saddened to miss those to miss out on those three games, the first three double A games. But those class A semis and then the, I thought the class A semis and finals was the best of the weekend. Yeah, they brought um, it. Uh and we were all kind of all right, let's get to the Hermantown War Road matchup that right. we all are expecting. And about immediately I goes, uh uh-uh. mm-hmm. we got something to say about this. Uh so that was really, really. It's it's fascinating to me too the the Hermantown arc, like because I was remembering like so. Mom and I had that call go against, which I thought was a terrible call. The the goalie interference late in the game that waved off a goal of theirs. Yep. And their their coach was was pretty animated about it, and it gave me flashbacks because I was thinking of like they lose this game by a goal, like the coach is gonna like go on the ice after the game and just bark at the refs because that's what Bruce Plant did. Uh, when Hermantown lost to St. Thomas. Oh God, yeah. And uh, I was thinking, like, God, that was when that was when Hermantown was the was the everyone's favorite yeah. underdog, Boy, you know, against the machine of uh, evil private school St. Thomas. And now Hermantown's like, come on, you're sandbagging. Everybody hates them now. Uh, you got move up. Come on, what are you doing? Move up. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's it's the dark night. Yeah, yeah. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to become the villain. And that's what Her- Hermantown has done. You're, that's always the narrative: is when you're too successful in Class A, then therefore you got to move up. Doesn't matter. You got to move up. And even if you look, it's okay. Yeah, they won the championship last year, but before that, it was what 2017. And then, so I mean, it's not like they're winning championships year after year, like. Tell the section to get better. Get good. Yeah, I, I, I'm more for if you, you got the you, you qualify by the enrollment. That's what it goes by. They're not even. It's not like the you got the private school factor. That's that's not a case with them either. I, I, I am not one to, to say that you got to move up because look, looking at the single A bracket, the first round games are still. I mean, there are some blowouts um, in the in the first round games, but. Section three A, stopping ground. Uh, but the semis and the finals have been really good of late, mm-hmm. and there was not just—it's not just Hermantown uh, and and everybody else, certainly. So, yeah, that was great. I'm glad that you saw some of the Big Ten because that's one of the few uh, games that it didn't catch. I caught—I was rocking three devices: my TV, iPad, and my computer hooked up. So by my count. I caught parts of 14 hockey games on Saturday. Wow. And that's counting the, the state tournament, the, uh, the two finals there, but it was also included the four regionals for the women's 
NCAA tournament. Oh, nice. The four games of the NCHC playoffs. Uh, the uh, couple, and again, uh, was not watching those like from start to finish. It was sort of jumping back. It's like so. You had the Ohio State one was at four p.m. my time, or no, three p.m. And then the other three all started at one. Didn't like that. Like space them out a little bit. Yeah, more. it's the same. Like what I liked about Hockey East, they had their single game uh, quarterfinals. On Saturday, they started. Two, they started one of them at two p.m. my time, so this would have been four p.m. Eastern. One at two, one at two thirty, and then I think it was five and five thirty. So they made a they made a concerted effort to split them up into two matinees, but and then you still staggered the starts, uh, and then two night games. I liked that. Whereas the like all the NCHC games were basically around the same at the same time or within the, within the hour uh, of starting with, uh, of of starting on Saturday. Same with like the ECAC all start at the same time, uh, and the the women's regionals like three of them were all at the same time. So it was kind of hopping around those like uh, the Colgate St. Lawrence was a you know, so a couple of the ECAC games and then a couple of the Hockey East that Merrimack Boston College went double overtime. That was the last game that. Uh, that was basically the last game of the night. Um, so I finished up with that one. So it was a long day of hockey. Yeah. That's quite but a I enjoyed it thoroughly. Because uh, like I said, I do like this time of year. And so, yeah. So we've got some intrigue. You know, uh, CCHA. You know, I was too gutless to call it. But I said, look out for this Northern Michigan team. They're playing hot coming into the playoffs. And. Springing upset at Michigan Tech, so it'll be Minnesota State hosting Northern Michigan, which playing around with the CHN, you are the committee tool. Um, we got to, we have to get a sound effect for that. Um, I mean, next year, I guess. Well, um, next week. Well, well, it'll yeah. be moot, moot by then. It'll be so moot. yeah, oh, yeah we exactly. might have to wait twelve months. You might have to wait a little bit for for that one, but. Well, the tool. Let's call it the tool. If you if um, you if you have any suggestions on what the uh, you are the committee, yeah, you, <laughs> the, Yahtzee, what, Yahtzee, 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 Yahtzee. I like that actually. What uh, so using? Yeah, if you if you have a uh, idea of what the sounder should be, uh, let us know. Then maybe we'll put it in next year. Yes, but using that tool, um, there are ways for Mankato to get in if they lose that game, but those are fairly remote. Like it would take a lot of upsets for that to happen. So in effect, it's a winner go home final there for the CCHA. Uh, and I don't think that Northern Michigan, I think they've got a decent shot here. Um, shutting out tech last weekend. Um, Minnesota state is not the same Mankato as they were last year or in previous years to that, like I said, they're right on the fringe. They might be, if they don't win this game, they might be the first team out uh, of the field. So are you going to be as bold to predict? Not only are you going to be as bold to predict a Northern Michigan upset here, but are you also going to, to predict some more CCHA league malfeasance 
we going to have, we're going to go to the showers and then come back a half hour later this year? Or do you think they're going to clean that? I hope so. I mean, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but uh, at the beginning of the season, I did predict uh, Northern Michigan would be a dark horse and uh, would, uh, would really uh, kind of well, take... It wasn't so the- much they were going to be a dark horse. They were, they were picked. We mentioned this in our preview podcast that I re-listened to last week. But they were picked by the conference to be second place, which I thought was a little surprising. Um, but and the majority of the season, they were because of that hype, I suppose you could call it. They were somewhat of a disappointment, um, finishing in fourth. But they really had to hustle to get to fourth, um, languishing in the second half, or second half of the standings for the bulk of the season. But have really picked it up um, of late. Uh, it's six game winning streak, I believe. And it's like nine out of 10, seven so games since seven game winning streak. Uh, yeah. After losing at St. Thomas on February 11th, seven game winning streak. And they're putting up a bunch of goals, put up nine goals, eight goals, seven goals, three, four goal games. Um, so, I mean, their scoring is, is, is showing up and, you know, like I said, Minnesota state, you know, took care of business against Ferris Ferris Evans state last weekend, but it has not been the same sort of magical year for them. So I don't know. It'd be an interesting game to, to watch. I, I, I I might, I might take Northern in that game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Northern is going to win. Boom. Let's, let's do it. Let's get, let's get weird. Well, and I was going to say, cause that has a potential of setting up Patolni versus the Gophers, but some Atlantic hockey. Oh yeah. RIT the, I mean, everyone's been saying for four months here when, when we're talking about the tournament slotting in the Atlantic hockey team, we've just been using RIT as the placeholder because they've been first place all year and the highest team in pairwise out of that league. But uh, Holy Cross goes in there and and wins two out of three. And then Canisius beats Niagara two out of three. So it'll be Canisius hosting Holy Cross. I think it's six, seven are the seeds in that. No, Canisius, I think, was fourth. But Holy Cross was, was seventh in the conference. And so definitely not that, expected. <laughs> Because of that, it's guaranteed that the Atlantic hockey team will be the 16th overall seed because both of those teams right now are in the 40s in pairwise. And even if Northern Michigan or Colgate or even CC, uh, even if any of these teams win their conference title, they will not be above. They will all be above the Atlantic team. So, whereas if RIT would have won and a team like CC or Northern Michigan, for instance, if they would have won their conference tournaments, RIT probably would not have been the 16th seed. Um, so this locks in um, the possibility of, so Holy Cross, if they, it's just a single game, like everybody has just a single game. They're, they were playing two out of threes in both the quarters and the semis, which is, the, they're the only league that to do that, which I'll give them credit uh, to do that. 
And both of these teams, Canisius and Holy Cross, had to win three-game series both weekends. So they've played six games already in their playoffs. Just just uh, do it all the way through. Do it for your championship round. Like, why stop? Why stop at the semifinals? That's weird to me. So at least but, there's a precedent set for having a single game for semifinals and a final like the uh like the CCHA. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they're trying to say because because like the NCHC semifinals, that's like the St. Claude North Dakota game. That's the semifinals. Yeah. So what or I think the CCHA and the Big Ten, they're they're saying, well, we're not playing them on neutral site, so it's at, where it's as if it's going to be at the X. It's just we're playing on the campus sites, but those are just single single games. I think that's the yeah. But you they just don't want to play too many games. That's you I might as well get the gate too. and try to booster up your you know more yeah, yeah. games to play. I'm with know. you. I, I want all I, NCAA regional game. Regional should be two out of three. Uh, I, I love series. Yeah. Too much random crap can happen in a single you know, like a one and done situation. So, but anyway. Uh, Setting up Holy Cross versus Canisius, uh, I, I'm obviously rooting for Holy Cross for for several reasons. The obvious for the, one for being, the memes, <laughs> being the uh, the Gopher potential rematch in the state of North Dakota. Um, it's got to be you know what it'll be sixteen years to the date. I just did this with the Omaha math. What was the no? That was 06. Was, was the Holy 06, Cross? I so believe, that was right? so those be seventeen years, uh, almost to the day. I'm sure if if they meet up. Um, but not only that, but which also, uh, North Dakota would have to lose North Dakota have to lose. Correct. So, um, I mean, that matchup right. would still happen, but it would just it, happen in like Allentown. It w- right. Uh, it probably would happen in Manchester. Um, well, you know what I, mean. but yeah. <laughs> um, so but, uh, first I get the memes and I get the jokes and in Fargo, I think it would be great if all those Thousands of people showed up in Holy Cross jerseys that aren't they, like they've still had since yeah since they, they still had for for the lulls. But it's very important to remember that Holy Cross team was twenty two in the right. pairwise, and they were not the sixteenth seed. They were yeah exactly. So it's not like I mean everyone does remember it because it's the first number one seed to go down. Um, and well, that's not even true. Well, it, the Gophers, it, the Gophers are the number two, and a, a, a number one seed has lost. Last year was the first time a number one seed has lost in the sixteen-team era of the uh, tournament, which goes back to 03. So, teams number one seed had lost in each of those first two years as well, I believe. After after it expanded to sixteen, I thought that was the I thought that was the Schlossman stat. Or maybe maybe it was since since Holy Cross it was the it started since then it, you, you might be yeah. right actually scratch I, all that yeah. you're right yeah that's because that's what I thought is like after it expanded to sixteen that was the first so um, I think you're right but it was but I mean just the fact stands that it's not like it was this you know fair seven state <laughs> split between the two teams or something like that I mean. That Holy Cross team, even though from Atlantic Hockey, I mean, 22 in the pairwise is nothing to shake. So, uh, yeah. And so not only that, but another reason that I'm rooting for it, if Holy Cross wins that game, they will be under 500. Now, we've been all talking about the Wisconsin rule, which only applies to at-large teams. Does not apply to conference champs. <laughs> there we go. Rule update. 
didn't think that we were going to get another one of these updates. Uh, I didn't either for, the, for this year, but it's germane. We're we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about it. So yeah, you can be as as under five hundred as you want, if as long as you win the conference tournament, you'll still you'll still have a a seat at the table. And was doing some research on this. Only three teams have made the tournament under five hundred in the pairwise era, and I was going back. I doubt that it was even before the pairwise era because it was only I mean, it was only a four team tournament until like seventy eight or something, and those are all conference champs. I, I can't imagine any under five hundred team ever made it before then, and I can't imagine it happening. Like conference the, regular was, season champs or tournament. I think no, it was I think well. Um, because it used to just be ECAC and WCHA. Those yeah. are the only two conferences. So they would take, I think, one, I think they would take two teams from each. And one would be the conference gotcha. tournament champ, and one would either be the regular season champ, or if they were the same, then it'd be like the second place team or something like that. I know there was a team like Michigan State won a national title in the mid-60s, and there were only a couple of games over 500 because they got really hot in a conference tournament. So maybe there are some. I, I will have to fact check it more, but I've been back to the nineties. And I've only found three sub 500 teams. One of those teams was the 08 Wisconsin team. That was the at large team that was under 500 that put in place the, or inspired the Wisconsin rule. The other two teams, do you want to take a whack at that? It's the same team, same program, two different years. Okay. Same program, two different years under 500. Yep. That's the only two times they've ever made the tournament. They were 0-2 in the tournament, They, but it was one-goal games each game. Gotcha. 0-2 in the tournament. I know I fact-checked this last year. One of those teams was the worst, the lowest team in pairwise ever to make the field. They were 49th in pairwise one of those years. The other year couldn't have been too much better. Still in the 40s, but it was not 49th. Jeez. Um, nope. I'm going to tap out. What is it? Alabama Huntsville. Huntsville. 2010, they made it, and 2007. That's uh, right. Those are the two years I should have made it. I forgot about 2010. I do remember 2007. So 10, they played Miami. They lost a one-goal game there. 2007, they lost to Notre Dame in double yep. overtime. Double OT, right? Um, yep. Yep. 07 was the year that they were worse. Um and so they play in the CHA, the defunct, not the CCHA, the oh, CHA, College this. Hockey America, which I guess it's not technically defunct because the, there still is a women's side of it. But uh, at that time, it was a five-team league. Bemidji, uh, Huntsville, Niagara, Robert Morris, and Wayne State, which is uh, like from the like Detroit suburbs. Um, five-team league. So that 07, as I looked at their that 07 team that Huntsville won won that tournament. They played that conference tournament in Urbandale, Iowa. Wow. <laughs> Which I'm like, are they? I mean, I started thinking like 07. That was like the peak of attendance. I'm thinking, was the CHA tournament just such a cash cow that they were making <laughs> this a traveling show? Because who the hell is coming to Iowa from those five programs that I just mentioned? Bemidji being the closest, probably what? I mean, Urbandale is a Des Moines suburb, right? That's got to be a 10-hour drive uh, for Bemidji. And they're the closest team. So 
the attendance was like 250. <laughs> so that was the only year I saw they played in Urbandale. The, the other years I saw they played at Niagara's, they would like go to other, like one of the other schools, they would host it, which makes a lot more sense than a lot playing more it sense. in yeah. the middle of Iowa when no team is within a 10 hour drive. So they use that dead barn in Iowa to parlay that into a pretty fluky NCAA birth. But so this is almost a first round victory and almost a first round victory. Uh, so this would, this would be historic. Uh, it'd be the first time in 10 plus years and only the fourth time, at least in the pairwise era that a sub 500 team has made it. Uh, Canisius will be over 500, whether or not they make it or not, but, uh, Holy cross can be the under 500 team. So it's an, adds another wrinkle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely be uh, interested to see how that one shakes out. Uh, as far as the other just one-and-done final games um, on-campus tournaments, that's the Big Ten, the rematch of last year's Minnesota hosting Michigan. Um, playing around with the tool, uh, Minnesota, if they lose and Quinnipiac wins, I see that Quinnipiac will be number one overall. So... They can uh, this, the, this does mean, yeah. I, and I, I, I tried to have like Minnesota losing. I think if Minnesota and Quinnipiac both lose, then I think Minnesota's still good. But um, so it's not like they were number one overall. You know, uh, they they have that on complete lockdown. But, you know, and Michigan and Minnesota have been playing some pretty decent games this year. At least that last uh, series they played at Mariucci a month or two ago. Some very entertaining games. Um, and so what are you thinking here? Are, are you Do you got the Gophers holding on there with a home ice advantage? Um, you yeah. thinking Michigan's going to be able to pull off an upset here? Sounds like you're, you're Gophers. You're going Gophers? Yeah, I'm going Gophers on that one. I just I just think they're too deep versus Michigan. Michigan has a heck of a top line. Minnesota has a heck of a top line, but I, I just trust Minnesota's defense a little bit more. Um not necessarily the goaltending, I think it's a toss up either way. I'm not a fan of either. But um I just give that slight edge to Minnesota, especially at home as well. So so that that's who I'm kinda giving there. Um and then, you know, when it comes to Atlantic hockey, yeah, rooting for chaos there. So I am going for Holy Cross. Don't think it's going to happen, but hey, why not? Let's go. Um, hockey East is just kind of interesting to me um, because when I'm looking at it, um, really only Boston is, you know, sitting in a really good situation. Obviously. They're the only lock. They're the only lock. Um Miramac is, you know, really, really firmly there on the bubble. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's, I, where, I, I, and that's where across... Alaska, that's where Alaska, I mean, Alaska yeah, you know, is, is uh, really rooting for chalk. So, well, Alaska wants Miramac to lose. Yeah. So it wouldn't necessarily, because chalk would mean that Miramac would beat Lowell. There are some situations that I found that Miramac can go one and one and get in as an at large. So not winning the tournament, but they got to win at least one game. If they lose, if they lose that first game against Lowell, they're most likely done. Um, but if they win that first game and then lose in the title game, there's still some scenarios that can get them in. But 
again, of their Miramax got the best hope of those other Providence and Lowell have to win the tournament in order to get in. So there was no at large possibilities for those two teams. So Miramax in a slightly better position there because they don't necessarily need to win the tournament, but it would make it a lot easier for them uh, if they just went out and won it. Um, but, and they've, they've been playing well too. I mean, they had a real dry spell um, January, February, but uh, right now they're, they're on a six gamer, uh, six game winning streak, which includes a sweep of Lowell in a home and home a couple of weeks ago. And like I said, they have Lowell, uh, in the semifinal game on Friday. So um, Providence ended up uh, ending Northeastern's frustrating season uh, in the tournament last weekend. They get BU. Um, again, I would, and BU's taking care of Providence pretty handily this year. But, um, you know, we, we mentioned too, like with Denver and these kind of teams, they've really kind of locked things up. It's, it's playing these desperate teams that have to have to win it all have to win the the conference tournament in order to get a berth in the NCAAs. It's always kind of tough playing those teams um, when you don't have a ton on the line. Um, so it, that should be interesting as well. And similar, I guess, the ECAC, Quinnipiac's obviously golden. Harvard is golden. Cornell, silver, bronze-ish. They're not <laughs> golden. But – and if they lose that game against Harvard – uh, it's it's there's definitely plenty of scenarios that would have them out if they go zero and one in this tournament. Colgate definitely needs to win two games in order to get in the tournament. They cannot be in at large, but and Harvard can can improve its position. They can get back. They can go up to five overall by winning this tournament. So they they have something to gain. Um, but Cornell probably maybe has the most to play for here. Like. Uh, you know, a win against Harvard might do it, but if they lose that game, it could get dicey. So, and I'm sure that's another team that Alaska is rooting against. They want Cornell to lose um, because it would, it would improve their position uh, as well. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, do you have like a pick? Like if you want to like pick, so you said you think Canisius is going to win Atlantic and you said that, you got uh, I said I'm rooting, for, I'm rooting for chaos, so I'm rooting for uh, Holy Cross. But yeah, I think Canisius is going to win. Well, I'll, I'll knowing, take Holy Cross, knowing, I'll take Holy Cross. Knowing really nothing about either team, right? I mean, oh, of course. So, so that's where. Uh, but I what about that. so what about these others? Uh, you got to pick for ECAC Hockey East. Uh, I mean, Hockey East. I don't trust anyone other than BU. So that's. Uh, who I'm going. I think I agree. I I agree with that. Um, And then we have um, uh, ECAC. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to give the edge to Quinnipiac. I don't, they've kind of run through everyone. Although I'm, I'm, I don't know. Is it weird to say I'm not sold on Quinnipiac? I probably should be by just, their sheer amount of wins, but I don't know. It's there's always those question marks with yeah. um, schedule that they play and not being tested uh, a whole lot. ECAC is doing a little bit better this year. Like I said, if Cornell survives here, that would mean three teams are in uh, from the ECAC, which 
Uh, I don't think we would have said that is going to be the case coming into the year. Um, so ECAC is a little bit better than it has been in, in recent years, but still um, a league that is, let's say, bottom heavy. Uh, so, so if you want to take Quinny, I'll I'll take Harvard. All right, uh, let's do that. They beat them in the championship game last year in the in the tournament. So I'll uh, I'll root for those plucky underdogs. There you go, Harvard. Uh, how how boring said, am I? And then he said Gophers over Michigan. Yep. I think I'm going to go with that too. So it should be a, it should be a fun, uh, a fun weekend. Uh, probably again, I'll be firing up multiple devices to stream a lot of these games. Um, I, I'm happy being on this side of the bubble. Um, obviously yeah. safely in at where I can just root for chaos. So, I mean, if, if we get to, you know, a championship Saturday where, you know, we do, um, you know, we do have a Mass Lowell versus Providence and a Cornell versus Colgate. Um, and Northern Michigan is up three rip in the third period. Like, let's let's get weird. I'm OK. At that with point, that. We need we need to get the uh, the the cut in the, the hidden camera to the Alaska coach. Oh, yeah. Who's like pacing nervously, smoking a heater, um, sputtering sinkers and floaters. Um, uh, yeah. Alaska dropped two spots for not doing anything. And uh, Western Michigan obviously dropped two spots. Everyone is pretty set in. Cornell did really help their uh, chances. Um, obviously getting into the uh, semifinal by, by jumping up a couple spots as well. North Dakota um, doesn't really have a, or doesn't have a chance at all at net large, but you know, they made some hay, but they don't matter. So, um, but yeah, the top, what was it? The top six were the same. The top eight were um, all unchanged. So, and Michigan tech, I was surprised they didn't move. Actually they gained it. They gained, weren't they? they yeah. Yep. They were 11 to 10 with a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so figure that out, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, and a couple of these other bubble teams mentioned Northeastern. They're done. Omaha, done. UConn, done. Uh, Notre Dame and Michigan State. Michigan State losing to the Gophers. They're officially done. I should have just um, gone with my gut uh, in our midseason podcast. Or I'll be That'll be another one I'm going to have to listen to because I'm, I know I, I'm way – I remember I had UMass. Uh, making the tournament. They are at 29th in Paradise <laughs> as they finish the season. So, um, yeah, I, that'll be a, that'd be much worse than it was last yeah. year. I think we did pretty well last year, but this year is not going to be as good. This year, yeah. I mean, we had Miramac in and UConn in. Miramac's, Miramac's our only hope, really, for the of the other Hockey East teams because I think I had five Hockey East teams in. Um, and I'm going to get at least three of them wrong at Eighty-four. Yeah. Uh, I had I had five Big Ten teams in, um, even though I said like thirty times how I don't think that Michigan State has the wins in the schedule for it, and I still picked them. And I think we too. I, at least I was thinking, yeah, I think this is too many hockey East teams, and I'm thinking maybe the it's not just going to it's not going to be the Big Ten that's going to get the extra team in it's going to be maybe nchc which again around christmas time the narrative was that the nchc was a little bit down this year Mm -hmm. and big 10 was was really up and hockey east was up hockey east sort of 
Hockey East is like, we're talking about top heavy leagues and bottom heavy leagues. Hockey East is like the classic middle heavy league. Like every <laughs> team there is like a fifth seed. Everyone's um, average. Like, I mean, you got BU and they're, they're pretty decent, but everyone else, I mean, even, and then like Vermont's terrible, but then everyone else, all the other nine teams in the league are just fairly average. Uh, and so that's just how it kind of played out this year because all those teams beat up on one another. And because of that, there was no no other teams other than BU that was able to emerge as a solid at-large candidate. Um, so it's just interesting how that all shook out. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it because I'm not exactly sure what all we had and what the percentage of correct teams that, that we I'm, have in. I'm looking at you know kind of my notes from that podcast, and I do see here that I did end up, I believe, with four um, from the NCHC. Um Denver, St. Cloud State, Western Michigan, and North Dakota. Um, that is where. So, again, I, I know I, I know I was discussing it. I don't know if I had the guts to actually go with that. Again, I'm going to have to listen to it. But so that means you're going to be rooting for North Dakota this weekend. At least I have it underlined here. I have it underlined in my notes. Um, North well, Dakota. That's not the so. official copy of the podcast of the transcript. Your notes, your notes is not the official podcast. Yeah. So I'm going to have to listen to it and I will report back to you next week. Fair enough. And I will say you're going to be, um, uh, in the middle of a couple of points after that Saturday, uh, title game. But I did this last year, just like a short 15 minute, 20 minute podcast that I'm going to do a final bracketology. Um, with your so prediction, I'll, yes, uh, and I believe last year I got I nailed it. I think for so. Sure. Yep. I think this year is going to be a little bit more difficult, um, but uh, I want to take a whack at it before before the field's announced on Sunday morning. I, so, I like it. Yeah, you, you can throw that up. Um, in your kind of playing around with your the committee and whatnot, yeah. um, I played around with it as well. What? Um, what were some of the matchups that you were looking at for St. Cloud State? What would you like? What would you be worried about? Kind of what were your thoughts on 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 that? Not necessarily where where they go or anything like that. You know, don't go too much into the bracketology of it if you even did for yeah. all the results. But like, just because we there was one, it there was one that there's one that shot out to me. I was like, this is who I really want to play. Well, so. You have to you have to do a little bit of bracketology because like right now eight nine is Penn State versus Ohio State yeah and and that's not going to be a first round matchup the the committee will not have that be the first round matchup so you have to kind of move some stuff around and you have to know a little bit of how the committee will handle that situation because both those teams don't have any more games left um, and so it's going to depend on the other teams around them to break up that eight nine matchup but so right now how they would break it up likely would be St. Cloud at seven would play number nine, Ohio state. And then Penn state would play Michigan tech at 10. They play eight, 10, seven, nine versus seven, 10, eight, nine, I would think. Um, and from what I was, how I was playing around with it, it, it a lot of it came down to Ohio state seems like a, a likely candidate. Um, St. Cloud, did you find a, a scenario that they were going to be nine or below, i.e. a three seed. Cause it, I did not, I'm, I may have come across it, just forgot it, but all the ones that I was playing around with seemed to have them. I mean, if they win the NCHC tournament, 
they can move up to fifth. I saw that as their sort of high watermark. Yep. But anywhere in the in the two seed band is all I found. Anywhere from five, mm-hmm. six, seven, or eight. I did not yep. see them nine or below, or for that matter, any anywhere in the in number one overalls. Yep. The if, one if we if we take a look at the CHN pairwise probability matrix. Uh Right there out of the 20, or I guess now all, prob- I don't know if there's 20,000 common. Yeah, there probably is. But anyway, um, there was a 3% um, has St. Cloud at 9. I have not been able to find any scenario of that. Um, See, so- when I checked out the Matrix a couple of days ago, it seemed off. It seemed like it, it, it had 100% for the Gophers to be the number one overall C, which is clearly not right, because I was able to find... Plenty of scenarios with them being dropped down to two using the Yahtzee tool. Uh, so it may have been updated since then, but and they don't even have it on their front page. I don't even know where to find it right now, but um, I'm glad you're able to get some more mileage out of the sounder uh, <laughs> for now. So um, I think they tweeted about but even, that there was if, a bug and it did okay. get fixed. So Even if they were nine, that wouldn't change things. Too terribly, other other than the fact that, because at seven, it also seems unlikely that Penn State's going to drop out of the two seed band as well. Like, if you're asking me, like, what, I'd I'd like to play Penn State, even if it is in Allentown. Um, I'd I'd rather play Penn State than Ohio State. Really? Ohio State State doesn't really scare me either. Really? I'd much rather play Penn State. I would much rather play. Like, right away, I was like, ooh, man, if we play Ohio State, really any of the Big Ten. Michigan Tech kind of scares me. Um, although, you know, with Quinnipiac's goalie, he had vaulted numbers, and we were able to light him up pretty well. Um, but Michigan Tech still kind of scares me a little bit. Um, with their team and with their type of makeup of team, can kind of give maybe a little bit of scares in the playoff for for St. Cloud. I just feel like that's kind of a that type of team gives us fits a little bit more than like the running gun type. Um, so, and I, I don't know if I would classify Ohio state as run and gun. I definitely would classify Penn state that way, which is maybe why I like would like that matchup more. Uh, I would agree that Michigan tech is more defensive oriented than Ohio state, but I think Ohio state plays a similar style. Um, they've got a very good penalty kill. I believe it's the best in the country. And their goalie is pretty pretty good himself, um, Dobish, who uh, last year kind of came out of nowhere uh, as a freshman, put up a great season for them. And again, this year with a 9-18 save. So uh, I don't think he's anyone to necessarily sneeze at um, or take lightly. If you, if you say it's not something to sneeze at, isn't that mean that they're not good? Anyway, um, I, I think Ohio State's a, a – I would. I think they're a tougher opponent than you're thinking, but and more. I'm more thinking in St. Cloud's perspective. I don't put any team passing you know, with with saying St. Cloud that they're a great matchup. Just the way that St. Cloud has been playing of late, you know, even with this coming off a, a series win here against Duluth, any of these teams could. I could see them losing too. I could see all the teams that we talked about: Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan Tech. I could see St. Cloud winning those games with ease. Uh, in the scenario, I saw some scenarios too. If St. Cloud winning the NCHC tournament, getting up to fifth, um, and Minnesota State winning, 
could see Mankato match up, which I'd like, just based on that they swept him earlier this year. Um, actually, I don't really like the Cornell matchup. If, if I think it's a remote possibility, but um, I don't like ECAC defensive first teams with St. Cloud. They scare me more than defensive first CCHA or Big Ten teams do. Plus, Cornell has a I don't know. Uh, I just I, I I don't I don't quite like that matchup. But um, and like the Minnesota State one, like if if it's a five twelve matchup, they're not gonna they wouldn't put them with Minnesota as number one overall. Um, but it is kind of intense. Like if Minnesota drops from number one overall to have maybe that be the Fargo regional. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting to, to, to think that, um, to like have a, cause they did that when like St. Cloud's when their first number one overall seed year, when they played in Sioux Falls, they gave them the six twelve matchup, which I was very upset at at the time. Cause if you're the number one overall, you should get that eight, nine matchup. But they wanted to have a local presence there, so they put uh, it was the six twelve matchup was uh, Mankato and Duluth, uh, and I think they put them in there because of the local factor. Mm-hmm. So last year we saw the committee being very sort of slavish in its adherence to bracket integrity. The committee's makeup is different this year. There's some members from last year, but the, the chair of the committee is different. So I wouldn't expect it to be exactly the same. Plus, I don't think that this year is going to work out as easily as last year did. Last year, I don't think there was any first-round matchups, like interconference matchups in the first round that you had that you had to bust up. Which this year, it seems like they're. I mean, right now that eight-nine matchup with Penn State and Ohio State, and because of those teams aren't playing any more games, good good possibility that they're going to stick at those eight and nine. So you're going to have to do something about that. So. Just more of those scenarios, it's going to throw things more into limbo and, and less predictable. So, yeah, I would I would say the teams that we've mentioned here, because um, obviously the other teams in the three band, I mean, Western Michigan, we're not going to play them the first round, obviously. Yep. Um, you know, if Merrimack, Merrimack can slip up, can get into the three band if they win Hockey East, um, but that's a remote possibility. Alaska likely going to be a four seed at this point. Uh, and probably like hanging on for dear life uh, at that point. So mm-hmm. I think the teams, like we mentioned, Penn State, they're less likely Penn State because they're going to be in that that two seed. But Ohio State, Michigan Tech, less likely Cornell and Mankato. I think I think it's between Ohio State and Tech. Um, and there's some, or if there if there is a way that they can somehow slip to the three three band and play Penn State, I'd rather do that. But that's probably the least likely of any of these scenarios. So, but it sounds like you want to play Ohio state. Yeah. I'm just not scared of Ohio state. Just watching them play a couple times this year. Um, you know, just, just looking at them. I was just like, this doesn't look like they are a decent team, which I mean, it's kind of weird to say, considering, you know, they are, they do have a 20 win season, but it's, you know, I can't remember who I watched them play. I mean, obviously, I just watched them play. Um, uh, I played Michigan, Michigan this, this uh, last weekend. This last weekend. 
And yeah, they didn't look good then, but I watched them play also earlier this weekend. I'm like, what is the appeal of this team? How are they ranked so high? I didn't really understand it. And I think even at that time, I saw some of the Twitter discourse too, being like, what are we making of Michigan? This is, or what are we making of Ohio state? Cause it, I don't, I don't know, they were on kind of a, a losing stretch at that point. And, you know, they've kind of stumbled in here, um, kind of late in the season as well. Um, you know, they did squeak out some of those wins against Michigan, a shootout win and um, the the win at the uh, in Cleveland at the uh, right. the face off at the lake. But I mean, just uh, before that, I mean, they, they lost four nothing to Wisconsin. Like, why should I be scared? You can't lose to Wisconsin. Yeah, I remember it was like a month or two ago. I mentioned like. You know, of the teams in the pairwise right now, like the thing, the team that we've spent the least amount of time talking about is Ohio State. So I like, what do we think about this team? Because it's kind of like, what, what's what's the deal with Ohio State? You're doing like a Seinfeld bit. What's almost. the deal? Um, and similar to Grape Nuts, uh, I don't know what the deal is with Ohio State so much, except that that I think their goal is decent. That's really all I got. And their penalty kill is really good. Elite, you can even say. They got this Jake Wise on the team who was uh, Boston University transfer. He scored in that um, NCAA game against St. Cloud. Um, so maybe he's on the revenge tour. Mm. They do lock lock horns. Uh, but uh, pretty much all I got about the Buckeyes. Uh, but yeah, I'm more, it's not so much about scouting the opponent. I'm more interested in scouting how St. Cloud's looking. Because if they're looking like how they played against, say, Miami, um, they're going to get routed by any of these teams that we mentioned. No, I so. mean, that's true. That's kind of how it all always kind of shakes up. So, um, questions. I suppose we should just hop in there, huh? We got quite a few. Uh, a friend of the show, Dan Jacobson, our resident Minnesota Duluth fan. Uh, how are the twins going to be this year? Uh, Good, good chuckle since he's already thinking about baseball. Um, pitch clock and all. Um, I will say disappointing because obviously. But I have not been thinking about them. Ha ha, my team is still playing. So that's what I'll say. <laughs> just gonna if, he wants, if he wants the long answer, he can send me an email. But I'll just put <laughs> it at 79 and 83. 79. I will take the under. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, there is some Kool Aid chuggers that are saying this is the this third division to lose. Yeah, and it's would depend a lot. That's what on makes it so fun. Last year, healthy. my prediction my prediction was seventy seven and eighty five, and they went into the last game of the season with seventy seven wins, and I was so frustrated that they won that last game because I would have been, had it right on right, right on. Uh, next question. Um, which, uh, Aaron, which goalie is Brett going uh, with and how is he going to make that decision? Um, well, I mean, I think every decision is going to be a game at a time and then maybe a quick trigger and a one and done, um, uh, a quick hook. So I, I think next game, um, against, 
uh, North Dakota, you go with uh, you you go with you go with Caster. I don't know if Caster played. Yes, he did play in the second game. He Caster didn't play against, against North Miami. Dakota. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. He. So, but I still with how Caster played on on Sunday, I think you give him the nod there on on Friday. But but yeah, quicker hook. Like if they played that second game against Duluth, you know when they were down four to one, and they, he t- takes the timeout. If that's a if that's a, a single elimination situation, yeah, he make he makes a goalie change there. Yeah, I right? think so. But he did have the luxury of you know having a game in the in the hand, uh, so to speak. So that's my theory. But now least. now yeah now we're into. It's, I mean, this, this tournament, this NCAC tournament, I guess it's not, your season's not going to end if you lose, but essentially you're, you're down to win and that's it. So I think, I think he's, we, we might see a a poll if they're, let's hope we don't, Uh, but that's true. um, But if, if it is a situation like that, that you need, that you need a quick momentum boost, uh, we saw that in in Omaha, like we mentioned, like he's not uh, unwilling to to make the make a move there. So he's just got to be a little bit more decisive in, in playoff time. So yeah, like I said, hopefully we don't see that. But yeah, I would agree, rock with Caster. And if he's playing as well as he did on Sunday, we might not see Bassy the rest of the year. Yeah. So. Uh, Zach, superior club level snack. Turkey Carver or Prime Rib Carver Sandwich. Um, I've only been into the club level actually a couple of times. Um, and I actually think like this is the uh, kind of the the premier tournament to really do it in. Um, if you're going to get take, because I don't think the club level is that much more expensive. If it is even more expensive at all. But, you know, you get quicker service to concessions and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like being a little bit closer. So, but um, as far as that answer, I always go with the Turkey. Um, really anytime. Really? Actually I have prime rib surprises me every yeah, time I, I have I prime it. rib. I'm disappointed. And maybe it's because really? it's just room temperature meat at that point. And it's just like, <laughs> Why is this not like I see it and it looks like it should be cooked. Why is this cold? Why this is, this doesn't make sense to me, but no, the, so that's, uh, that's where I actually go with the, probably I would go with the Turkey. Yeah. Cause I just surprised that you're the one that said, Hey, Turkey on Thanksgiving overrated. So I figured you'd have gone prime rib all day long there, but. I am more disappointed more often than not on prime rib than I am with turkey. I'd have turkey, to know, at least I know what I'm getting. I'd have to know more information. Like we're talking like a au jus situation with the prime rib, um, because that would seem to be difficult in a stadium setting. I feel like, um, so it's like, and yeah, I, I might go with the turkey based on the intangibles, but we're just talking meats. And all other things being equal, I'll, I'm going prime rib mm. uh, 10 out of 10 times. Really? 
I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't be. I think I know I'm in the minority when it comes to that. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, Derek Johnson, how many quote-unquote birds will drunken UND fans display on camera after SCSU scores? I hope a lot. Let's, let's hope several. <laughs> let's hope all of the middle fingers go up. And it happens many, many times under Ritter. And then also Helston, too. Let's let's maybe get a double yeah. goal situation, right? Let's Johnson, it's, it's getting in that third string. Right? Exactly. Um, Alex Fern, uh, who, um, you know, I want to thank uh, Alex and Brian also for giving me a little shout out on KVSC. Uh, so that, so that was really nice. Yeah, my mom texted me and said, oh, they shot you on a KVSC. So pretty cool what did they what um, did they say oh they told me to cue freddy oh nice yeah so and then uh also uh they said that they um it was it was kind of late when uh <laughs> miller got a little bit of power play time and they said well he got his wish <laughs> so, wow that's great that'd be nice if they shouted me out on their, on nope. their broadcasts nope I'm a lot more active on Twitter. I uh, I talked to them on Twitter, so this is true. Yeah, I, I'm not advocating for you to get on Twitter because well, if it means that I would be garbage. name dropped on <laughs> on national radio, then I just might. Oh, there you go. So just just create an account just for that, just to tweet at them for that. So, um. I personally think Wiley should play more regular pair of minutes from now on. He seems to thrive when he has good time on ice. Um, uh, CJ added with that, he had an unreal series in his opinion. Um, not just because he scored, but he always seemed like he had the puck was involved and the Huskies are in the ozone and the ice. Um, could be a catalyst down the stretch if he keeps this play up. Um, yeah, I agree with Wiley overall in the series. He and I do think that he has taken a step above Reiners. And yeah, you know, granted, now our um defense is kind of in that shaken state. I don't expect to see Lutke on Friday. Um, so I'm going to expect you know, essentially just the same lineup that we had for this last game. Um, and but I do think that uh, Wiley is going to get more minutes and he's going to get the power play time as well. Cause I think he, I think he looks solid. Um, Reiners, I think still every once in a while has a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a unsureness about him. Yeah, I think, and I think not, it and not shows, much. I think it's going to come, but I think it's, I think it's just the game has come to Wiley a little bit quicker than Reiners. Yeah. And not much offensive, push from Reiners. He's definitely much more of a stay-at-home guy. Considering Trayball's injury status and how he looked this weekend, I'd say Wiley's hopped him uh, yes. in my power rankings as well. Maybe even Peart. Um, but uh, that says that, hey, I, I think he's a, he's a guy that's I'm looking forward to, to watching next year and, and beyond because, because of the experience he's getting, especially at the end of the year here, Power play time, especially, um, I, I see some prime minutes going his way here in the future. So some prime rib minutes, <laughs> prime. 
extra horseradish, maybe. Um, I may be uh, DMTR gaming. I may be overreacting because uh, I was a bit tense this weekend. But did it seem like the refs were not calling uh, anything to try to prove a point? I swear uh, they were telling players to knock it off instead of penalizing. And, um, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about kind of the differences in the how the two games to the series were called between, um, especially the game threes between, you know, Omaha and North Dakota and our series. Um but yeah, I do think there were a lot of extracurriculars, and you know, I guess we didn't talk about the check from behind in the in the first game um, where Brand got hit, and again, and again, who just seems to be the crash test dummy on this team, just always <laughs> getting him. Just I shouldn't laugh, but you're right. <laughs> I mean, he always is on the receiving end of these hits. Um, but like, I don't know. Like looking at that, that it's was like, Jello too, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And Our it's guy Jello. And and it's like if that's not, you know, a, a game misconduct, I don't like like how do you say yeah. anything else is? It was pretty it violent. Was, yeah. It looked it, it looked bad on the replay and and that's what they're looking at. Like, mm-hmm. I only have to chalk it up to the fact that it's playoffs and you don't yeah. want to kick a guy out in the playoffs. I I said it before <laughs> what did podcast. Gino call it the crippler? Or something like oh. that. And I'm like, I, I've really I've geez. learned to just sort of tune him out um, because it's. I mean, and his my brother was texting me. Not it was almost to an annoying degree about how much Mark Parrish was getting on his nerves doing the state tournament games. I just had to say it. We got to set the bar here for the Parrish family in the announcing uh, category. of pretty low, uh, and just. I said, I said, told him the mute button's your friend. Um, use it, use it liberally. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's the, that's the last that we'll hear of Gino this, uh, this mm. weekend. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, Robin's was, racing. Yeah, so. yeah, you said that he says that a lot. I, it's just white noise to me <laughs> at this point. So I'm glad I missed that so, reference. But, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm just happy that, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, uh, you know, Luke, did get injured in, in some aspect. I guess I don't know if it was something tweak or if it was actually a result of a hit or something like that. But I, I do think, like, it was close to getting out of hand at some points. And there were a lot of uh, scuffles that you know, at least take both of them or something like that to right. try to get yeah, there some was that, there, type there of was control that play in where the game. It was literally like a Greco-Roman wrestling match with Cranola mm-hmm. and somebody else for Duluth right on the side of the net. And it was just play goes on. No coincidentals, no nothing. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I generally like less calls. But from your perspective, at least like call some coincidentals because yeah. I think that keeps the players honest a little bit and it doesn't give any one team an advantage. You don't get in the, into the habit of, well, we call one on them, so now we got to call one on them. And then, then it spirals out of control pretty quickly. But yeah, do a couple of coincidentals. Uh, keep them honest and don't kind of screw with the playoff sort of intensity, but just sort of, you know, have them dial it back a little bit. I think yeah. that would have been appropriate. And then uh, last question, Eric Zamora, um, who was my hockey partner actually this weekend uh, was playing in the goons for good tournament at the Mac. 
Uh, first time I laced up the skates um, in probably about 10 or plus years. Um, and I showed every bit of it. I got chirped a little <laughs> bit for my gut hanging out. I got, <laughs> I got, I got chirped for using an Easton synergy stick, which apparently isn't cool anymore. So it was, uh, but it was, it was a good tournament. I scored some goals. So I guess that's a plus, nice. um, but, um, kind of player are you, are, are you a grease pan type or yeah you yeah i was set always up, set up guy are you a sniper what no i definitely defense wasn't. maybe no, i think i had one snipe in my career <laughs> um and but as far as uh you know when i played in high school i played junior gold because we didn't have a high school official like an official team when i played down in the land of 3a the desert <laughs> hockey um the hockey desert where there's just nothing there um, but no, I was, I was more, and I wish I would have like noticed this early. I didn't really notice it until my senior year, but like, I, I was just way more efficient as a passer. Um, and I, I wish I wasn't so hung up on goals. I wish I would have gave more stock into assists. Um, and I probably would have been a more effective player because I, and still, even then after, just a little bit on the ice, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good passer. So, but, um, I was always, I was pretty good assist guy too. I would always score eight goals a year. It seemed yeah. like eight. There's one time I scored twice on a shift. Ooh, that was like the best shift oh. of my life. But, uh, uh, I was, yeah, I, I was more of a, I like passing, but then I liked, I was just parking in front of the net. I was like the mm-hmm. biggest kid, biggest and slowest kid on the ice <laughs> or on my team at least. And so I, I, I sort of knew my role sure. uh, and uh, yeah, but still had fun. That was the important thing. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, I was very much, I was always, you know, in front of that or like trying to get the tips or whatnot. And that's kind of, kind of what my, what I really liked. So well, do you have any college eligibility left? Because we could use one of those guys. No, uh, they, they would not. <laughs> no, I mean, especially after you'd be like, well, this guy, complains about Selquist as much and he's trying to <laughs> lug his fat A over the rink and over the boards every time. No, but it was four games. My thighs are killing me right now. Like my life is just biofreeze right now is what I'm gonna take a bath in. Um but it was cool because my kids were able to watch um you know my my daughter's five, my twins are three. And I guess I didn't like or my twins will be three in about two weeks. Um, or they got the same birthday as you. Jeez, no, one week. Yeah, the twenty first. Um, oh. so sure you get that right. Yeah. Well, it was the counting of the days is where I messed up, not the date itself. I know that because it's three two one. Three two one. That's good. Three two one. To remember three two one of twenty is how everything kind of flows together. So, um, I actually get a little bit confused on. Clara's birthday because Clara's is um, eight nineteen of seventeen, and sometimes I switch the seventeen and the nineteen, and, and so I get a little bit confused right there. So anyway, um, back back to as I'm giving all you know my my kids' names and birth dates out, which probably isn't. Yeah, the can you give their best. social security yeah, right, numbers exactly. out too, please? Uh, um, do, you, and do you have a six? Hot, the hospital that they were born at <laughs> just. Just the last four is good, I think. <laughs> so, um, but uh, 
you know, I, I didn't think I would care that much or whatnot. Um, it was like, hey, you know, I got these games. I mean, it's a charity tournament and, and whatnot, but God, they were they were they were loving having dad out there. They didn't know much about hockey, but they they know what hockey is and they were cheering and they were hi dad. Like after every shift, I'm huffing over the side just when I would see them and they're just so excited to see me out there. So it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. And I fell right on my face on a three on one. Just <laughs> face planted. I hit like a, a rut in the ice as I was going down and just just toppled over. Beautiful three-on-one opportunity. Right in front of my kids, right in front well, of my wife. It was still a two-on-one, then, unless you were the one. I was. Uh, I, no, I had the puck. Oh, oh you, I had the puck. Oh. And it was well, that's, it, less, just, that's less fun. Yeah, exactly. I was really hoping that uh, my wife wasn't watching, but she was. So <laughs> she might have started divorce proceedings after that, and I don't think I would blame her. It was pretty embarrassing. So... um. But anyway, Eric, thank you for uh, telling me to get into this tournament. It was a lot of fun. I might actually kind of get back into hockey or some old timers. They have a kind of open skate at the max. I might, I might kind of get uh, get back into it a little bit. Maybe update my hockey stick because the Eastern Synergy isn't cool anymore. Um, but he uh, he posed a really good question. Um, are these the two? best rivalry games we could see in the semis. And I was trying to play around with some other ones, and I I guess it all just kind of came down to when you consider it a rivalry. Are you talking about how competitive it has been, or are you talking about just from a historical aspect of everything, location, all like, because like, yeah, the gold pan and the rivalry between Denver, Colorado College, I can see that. But at the same time, when you win 11 straight, is that like, <laughs> you know, it's got to be somewhat even, right? And so that's that's where I kind of got hung up as maybe a first round matchup of North Dakota Denver would be a little bit more of a rivalry. Um, but um, I think just kind of overall from a rivalry aspect, is this kind of the best we could see in the makeup of the NCHC? Yeah, I mean, you can think. Yeah, so we're not th- we're not talking about this year's contest, correct? Like just in general, um, at least that's how I took it. I mean, I, but yeah, yeah. Because thinking like North Dakota, Denver, and then maybe Minnesota, Duluth, and St. Cloud. That's kind um, of the other way I was going with it. If we're not going to do CC in Denver, yeah, I but mean they play for a trophy. I mean that's so. I mean, I guess de yeah. facto that. That that's got to be included, but man, CC's got to win something, right? Yeah, I think this. I don't know because I, I I we've talked and, about it too, like rating how St. Cloud's rivalries are versus currently versus Duluth and North Dakota and other teams. But let's just keep it to those two because I think that the hatred for North Dakota goes back further, and the Duluth one is a little bit more recent, at least maybe. NCHC era in particular has really sort of supercharged that rivalry. But I mean, they've, there's like many times in St. Cloud North Dakota have played in the old final five, um, less so with Duluth. So this, I, this might be, I think, right. I think this is better than just the one, the one factor is CC is not the CC that they once were. Yeah. Like if this was mid two thousands, 
this would be great. But also, I don't really know what North Dakota feels about St. Cloud State. Like, do they consider this anything even? Or are we just... I think they do. They're not their number one rival, for sure. Yeah. Um, Maybe not their number two. I I wonder, compare compare North Dakota's rivalry from their perspective, St. Cloud and Duluth. That's interesting. That's another one I think their arrival with Duluth has been increased over the years. But remember in the WCHA, St. Cloud and North Dakota were the designated rival. Yeah. So they'd play each other four four games a year, Uh every year, for like the last 10 years of the conference or whatever it was. So I think that helped um, boost that rivalry then. And I still think it's, I mean, every year except one or two, they've played four games a year in the NCHC too, plus some playoff matchups um even in NCAAs they've they've met before so I think that the rivalry with North Dakota and St. Cloud is 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 thick it's not like I said Dakota's rivalries are more strong with Denver and Minnesota but yeah maybe as a number three so but yeah I think these are good good rivalries and I do think that 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 uh heightens the atmosphere and, and everything this weekend. Looking forward to it. Yep. Very much so. Um, well, that about does it uh, for this episode of the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Uh, again, I am Weldy at More Clappers, M-O-A-R, More Clappers. Andrew, you can reach him at Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. Send, send me an email. Send an email. Um I just realized I totally forgot to give you some of the rundowns of the answers um, from uh, Scorsese Fest. Um, oh, really? That uh, people well, did. Well, you did send me one. You sent me one. I, I thought that's all we got. I didn't get any from our email. Uh, I guess I should oh. double check, but I don't think we got any. What else did we get? Yeah, it was... Um, you know, I'm just kind of going through now... Because we had, I know we had one vote for casino. Uh, we had a taxi driver with raging bull second. Um, someone's got to put Goodfellas up there, I'm sure. Uh, tie between Aviator and Gangs of New York. Uh, casino. That's the one that you showed me. Yeah, uh, and then mine is Goodfellas. So, well, that's some good, some good Scorsese. Yeah, but then I realized that maybe I should watch Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Those two, or my my favorite. I don't think it's better than those two, but my favorite is the King of Comedy. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. Mm-hmm. I'll put that on the list for the off season. Do that. So. Until next time, go Huskies! Woo! Woo!